stories, this woman found this podcast while trying to learn about romance scams in the middle of her loved one scam. It turns out I actually learned from her a lot. She was actually able to convince her loved one that she was talking to a scammer, partly because of an intervention and partly because of her background. Because I'm a consultant in financial services, I understand the way that these scams work. We had already done research when we did the intervention and also provided her like hard evidence in the form of screenshots. I wish I would have been armed with the information she shared when I was going through my mother's scam. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. We're not sharing her real name or the relationship with her loved one. She's not ready. Maybe one day, but not now. We're going to call her Anna. So it started in late April early May. Okay. And how did you know something was going on? So I knew because at that time, my family member that this happened to was living in my house. And it just became evident because she had informed my significant other that she was starting to date a celebrity. And that obviously raised eyebrows with me immediately because I work in financial services. So I'm pretty trained to understand all of this stuff. Maybe not to the extent that I would now realize that I now know, but (laughs) I immediately heard that and I thought, this is a scam. And who was the celebrity? What picture was used? The celebrity's name is Sam Claflin. He is, I guess, a British celebrity. Okay. So what did you say when she said that? Or what did you do? I was extremely harsh in my reaction, to be honest. I, you know, I'm a very protective person type person. And I just tried to like approach it with logic. Okay. So how did this happen? Well, he messaged me on Instagram. Aha. How did he know to message you on Instagram? Well, I liked a photo. Aha. So I'm just going to go to a random photo here. I see 330 likes. So you're telling me that out of 330 people, this celebrity in his spare time decided to message you on Instagram. Yes. Okay. Can I see the message? No. You just need to trust me. Okay. I said, but do you honestly believe that in a celebrity's spare time, they're just messaging normal people via Instagram? <laughs> like, I'm just trying to like break it down to her. And I say to her, I'm just letting you know, like, these things don't happen. So, whether or not you think you're messaging that individual, I'm telling you, That in their spare time, maybe there's some fluke person that's messaging you from the verified account. I will be willing to bet money that it's actually not the celebrity. I was probably a little more harsh in the fact that, you know, I went into his, you know, dating life. He has two children in the UK. He lives in the UK, right? Like trying to go into that sort of detail, like, okay, so we're going to date or try to date somebody who doesn't live in this country, who has two children, who's divorced but at technically separated because it hasn't actually been fully filed, right? So like, I'm trying to just break it down logistically with her, which she just wasn't having. Well, I can tell you from experience, trying to take the softer approach doesn't work. (laughs) I got very harsh 
I'm not to say we're not attractive people, but I said, you know, this person's previous wife, I go, take a look at this photo. This is a model. I love you, but we're not models. It was obviously not a good conversation. It wasn't long before the next big red flag. When she brought it up, she said, he wants to meet you guys in New York City. And I said, for what? Well, he wants to get to know you guys and obviously make sure that you know that it's him. I said, but if a celebrity is actually dating you, I don't need to be there or be involved at all. In fact, it's the two of you getting to know each other. So that actually caused me more pause and reaction to confirm my original gut feeling of it being a scam. I'm like, why would a celebrity need to meet us? And the next red flag, a change in her loved one's behavior. And I could just sense the behavior as being sort of very um, secretive and just withholding information. She was still going to meet up with him and meet him in New York City. It turns out that her family member not being home worked out to figure out the next big clue. And then right around that exact same time, she was traveling a lot more for work and almost purposefully not in my house. So the next event was that she was traveling for work and that I got wind of a potential package coming to my house that she was going to pick up. That's where I drew the line. So at the point in which this package is supposed to come to my house, you know, I inquire, what is this package? She indicates, I think it's a card. Okay. So I'm now going to open this package because I don't give a rat's ass. If I'm breaking the law, it's coming to my house. (laughs) And that's exactly what I did, which, by the way, started in Provo, Utah. So my immediate question to my family member is, so if this person lives in the UK, why the hell is the package coming from Provo, Utah? To which the response is, oh, his assistant sent it. Okay, so he has assistant that lives in Provo, Utah. Who? What is his assistant saying? Why are we speaking to the assistant? So now I'm saying, okay, there's another player involved here. So now I'm like adding to the the complexity of this scam. It wasn't the contents that frightened Anna as much as the presentation. I open it up and it is frightening. The depths of the manipulation and cult-like behavior that's going to go into this gift. There is a card that is be dazzled to the point that I have never seen. I mean, we're talking like 1980s jean jacket bedazzling going on here. The amount of bedazzling on the front and the back of this card envelope is extreme. Uh, Someone has bad taste, okay? Scammers don't have good taste, I guess. (laughs) Well, to the point where it makes you question, this is a female, Ah. whoever did this. Mm no offense to whatever gentlemen are listening to this, but uh, the level of detail that I saw, I just don't see that coming from somebody that I've ever dated. I mean, that's just just not, just not common. Let's put it that way. Makes you question, I think this could be a female or one of the people that is part of this is a female. Okay. So I open it and just the language you can, you can tell and the wording that is being utilized is clearly not English as a first language, which I think is probably obvious to a lot of people that have been through this before. But the other part for me that was very disturbing was they utilized a Bible reference that apparently was this connection that they had 
What concerned Anna was the amount of research the scammer had to do to figure out the exact Bible verse so that it seemed like a natural bond between Anna's loved one and the scammer. The scumbag wanted his victim to feel like it was meant to be. Ruth 116, I think, was the verse that they used. So I'm like, what is this? Like, what is going on here? Right. And I, the reason why I think that this is bizarre is my family member has on their Instagram profile and other things like kind of a strong tie and reference to you have to remember right around the exact same time Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed. And the person in my family, as well as myself, like we've always just had a very strong connection or just wanting to like, we look up to her. She's a role model. She's this or that. So there was also this on her Instagram. So I'm like, why was this selected? Like, this is odd. Anna was heartbroken after what she discovered next. I opened the package. And in addition to that, there is a gold band. We can't identify whether it's real or fake. Although I think at one point I tried to drop it in vinegar because apparently that works. I don't know. And it didn't change. So it is very, it's, it's very possible that it was truly gold. But what does it cost? A couple, couple hundred bucks? <laughs> like, so what? Well, and they have plenty so, of other victims' money to use too. Exactly. Exactly. And now I'm also hearing that this exact same person may have asked for money and that she was messaging a burner phone and some other, you know, minute details for just some of the other things and research that other people may have been doing. So, I mean, it's clearly evident at this point that this is 100% a scam. Anna decides to tell her loved one that she opened the package and what she thought about the contents. I confronted her with the package, thinking that that would have done it while also doing a, I would say, a quasi-intervention where, you know, it's COVID, not everybody can be in a room together, but certain friends, as well as myself, confronted her while I was present with her and said, no, like, we all know these things, like, brought the corroboration in front of her. And her reaction at first was very uh, intense to the point where she didn't want to take on that additional anxiety, which I understand now um, to be like, say more of that additional layer. But she kind of basically said like, okay, I get it. I understand. Like, yes, I sent this person a thousand dollars. So what? They never asked me for it. I said, but help me understand why does somebody who is a celebrity that have $8 million, why does he need a thousand dollars? Well, it's his contract with Universal Studios and some elaborate BS scheme. But I think the hard part about this one is they like really played into her and how her life was going to change and the potential like of dating a celebrity. That was this underlying situation that I also did not uncover at that time. So when we confronted her, she embraced it took it in. Okay, I get it. I understand. I will stop communicating with him. That's when Anna says her loved one convinced her that she was done with the scammer, just like my mom did with me. And was extremely convincing. Oh, I've been down this road. I know where it's headed. Yeah. And I think, you know, at that point, the lies intensified and the lengths that she took to avoid me and being in my present were apparent because she knew I wasn't going to not go through her mail, not go through things. So she avoided me and started traveling quite a bit, not only for work, but clearly to avoid being in the house or being near me so that I couldn't say, pay attention to her move. 
And I had never not had a reason to believe her in the past. Lying is just not something we do. It's to be honest, just not even in our blood. We're just not lying people. We're actually more like very honest to the point of people probably thinking as though we're almost confrontational. So like I never ever in my life had a reason to believe that she would just bold face lie to me. She's never done it before. Then more lies. Anna's loved one starts to come up with reasons to go to New York. Remember, this was where she was supposed to meet her knight in shining armor. She says, you know, she has to go there for a doctor's appointment. We don't live that far from there. So that's that's not like something that couldn't have happened. But I'm now starting to realize, okay, what she's doing is now totally in alignment with what the original plan was. So now I'm skeptical again. Let me guess. Something happened with Universal Studios. <laughs> let, me, let me just take a while guess. And I mean, I got iced out very quickly to the point where I was blocked on social media, on all kinds of things, right? Which has never happened in the history of our entire relationship. So now I'm like an outsider, right? But I'm still trying to corroborate, you know, evidence and stories, location, all kinds of other things to other people. Now she's on the move from New York to a different location where he's now supposedly going to arrived by private plane. I've gone to the depths of calling these airlines, calling these actual airports. I call the police of the airport. I understand, try to identify when a private jet, A, has the ability to arrive at this airport, and B, what I have to do to be able to follow that private jet. For everyone that needs to know, you can track private jets and a tail number can be provided, but only if a tail number is actually provided. And yes, certain airports that we have in the United States also accept private charter, but they don't all do international private charter. So that didn't also square with what was being provided to me. And I'm pretty familiar with the airport situation because I travel a ridiculous amount for work. So it's not obscure for me to know airport codes, you know, I am very familiar with how to track flights on FlightAware. Like these are just things that I normally know how to do just because of my profession alone. So no holds barred. I was calling the police at those airports. I gave them the description of her, right? Because the other thing that we were extremely fearful of around this exact same time is the potential for trafficking. At this point, I don't know if someone is actually going to arrive at an airport where my family member is also located and try to snatch her. I have no idea what's going to happen. And your mind starts to race in all kinds of crazy, impossible scenarios, or at least mine did. So Anna asks if the scammer showed up in the Big Apple. So it was very evident that within, I'd say, a three-day turnaround, this celebrity never showed. And of course, there was a rationale. And then a new date followed. Three to four weeks out in communication and all that other stuff. And within that same time frame, my family member reached out to me and like try to make amends with me because one, I think not speaking to her is just not something that we normally do. This is someone I speak to almost daily. I mean, she was living in my house. <laughs> so that's number one. Number two her stuff is at my house. So at some point, she has to come back here. Anna puts her professional services to use. That's where I kicked my investigation into extremely high gear. And at that point, I, I went through everything. I went through trash. I would advise people in the family, if you go through, to be a detective. 
do just what the police do, go through their trash. You would be amazed at what you find. Bank statements, credit card, whatever. You're going to start to see activity that you wish you hadn't. I mean, I had the luxury of knowing that her phones were on my plan. So I could go into her account. I could see what she was doing. What I can't see, though, is what she's messaging, say, on WhatsApp. But I can see phone numbers. And I will also now realize that she's communicating on multiple platforms, including WhatsApp, Telegram, another one called Viber, which I have found out now that Viber has a automated translation device built in. So if somebody is in another country, they can be speaking through Viber and it actually translates it in the English, you say, language of the receiver. And I think the other thing is, you know, common stuff. They're moving stuff around. They're moving from Telegram. They're moving to WhatsApp. They're, you know, all this stuff. And while I can't see that on her phone records, there are going to be times that she is going to mistakenly leave her phone or her other phone, which I tapped into, around accidentally. And I just went full stop into it. And that's when I, I would say right around, this would have been mid-July, I realized the depth that she was involved in. And it was <laughs> devastating. My worst fear had come true at that particular moment. And what was your worst fear? I mean, my worst fear was just that she was giving any dollar amount. I could not have fathomed that this was, this is what we would be. It's an amount that only the FBI, I think, would be interested in. It's a very large dollar amount that I know in my mind that it would be very difficult for my family member to recover from without additional help. At this point in the interview, Anna starts speaking my language. I think you can tell by now she's logical and analytical. But while reading her loved one's phone messages, she saw how the scammer became an addiction. And I can't seem to get through to people enough on this topic to other family members who've experienced this. So I think she really describes it well here. At that point, when I went through the phone and I saw the devastation, the bullshit, it's companionship. That's all it is. It is extreme companionship. And when I say extreme, I mean any person in a normal, say, state of mind or not somebody who's extremely, say, Alone is not the word. It's just that they're vulnerable, right, for anything. And because you don't have to necessarily be alone to be vulnerable, but they know how to feed the drug. This is a drug. It is a companionship drug. And the amount of stickers, emojis, affirmations of just positivity on everything that you could possibly imagine their appearance, they know how to feed that drug. And it's constant to the point where they 100% bombard. So think about it. Is your loved one tired while being secretive? Here's why. Scammers want them tired. Because they know that, you know, you're cloudy in judgment when you're sleep deprived. It's the same tactics that the Nexium cult guy uses. It's why they took them for walks at 1 a.m. <laughs> this is cult-like behavior. It's the same stuff. She has a great point. If you haven't heard of the Nexium cult, it's been in the news a lot. The leader was eventually sentenced to 120 years in prison. It's the same tactic they used on my mother, who was dying from cancer. And they're going to constantly bombard you to the point where you have no other choice but to be constantly in communication with them because you're just feeding the drug that is the attention that you so desire, while also taking you away from the people in your life that are going to cause question this behavior. It's intentional. So I think that's the other piece that, you know, you 
see when you dive into this, like, how can you be convinced of this? How did this convince you to send money? I don't understand. And this is at the point where you're as a person at a loss, you're like, how did this happen to my family member? This is somebody who watches Dateline every Friday night. (laughs) So for you to tell me or anybody in her circle that this could have happened to her, everyone would have said, absolutely no way. And she's not older. She's younger. Yeah. And and that is the hard part. Like, I think the other thing that I dealt that was very difficult for me was how could you be so stupid? Because that was how I originally approached her during the intervention. And I realized that doesn't work. Not if you want information. So then for a period of time, I had to buy into the lie and almost speak to her as though I felt it was a possibility. Meanwhile, I didn't, not even one second. I was just playing the game. Is that how you were able to convince her to hand over her accounts and stuff for you to talk to the scammer? So what I will tell you is that I'm just the type of person that when I am dealt with a confrontation or just a very extreme situation, my immediate threat response is to immediately react where I'm going to go to the depths of researching and I'm just going to like engulf myself into everything that I can possibly learn and know about this thing. Now, I understood quite a bit about it just from my profession alone, but what I didn't grasp was how could somebody knowingly send money to someone they thought was a celebrity who has millions of dollars they've never met, right? This is the, this is the other, this, it's a phenomenon. You You get to a point where you're like, I don't understand. How did this happen? And the truth is, I realize now in listening to your podcast and trying to put myself in the mind of her, as well as other victims that I have listened to on this podcast, and I try to put myself in her shoes. Someone's constantly texting me. I'm sleep deprived. I'm vulnerable. I'm at a place in my life where COVID and things are putting a dark cloud on a lot of different things. And I want so badly for this to be true. On top of that, in the brain, we know that now, just based on my research, the sensor that has the reaction of love, affection, has the ability to overpower that reaction, that nerve, when you feel anxiety about an action or an activity. So they already know that. And they know that I'm going to hit them quickly with dollars, a small dollar amount, but because we know that they're grooming them for say larger dollar amounts and that I can quickly ask for the money, but then quickly revert back to the love sentiment because I know that that trigger or that reaction in the brain overpowers the threat response reaction that is anxiety. So they know that and it is science. (laughs) So that's the other part. That's why they ask for money quickly, go back to the love response, go back to the constant affection, go back to that. I, I realized that through my research, through YouTube videos, through listening to the people on this podcast, like how could they be convinced? So that's how I started changing. After I got the information that I needed while playing along with it, I then flipped the switch and I went into, I'm not enabling this anymore. I'm going to go after her hard and I'm going to let her know in any way, shape or form possible that there's a way out. And I did that by sending her a book, which right now 
to my understanding, is the only book that I could find online. It's called The Emotional Impact of Being Scammed and How to Recover on Amazon. And I sent her that book anonymously. She knows it's from me. I mean, she knows I'm I'm going to be the one that's coming after her. The other language that I started to use with her when I started like flipping back to um, non-enabler was this happens to many people. There is nothing to be ashamed of. I'm going to be here when you decide you want to come out of this. And I will be there to support you. It's going to be okay. This happens to a lot of people. No one's willing to talk about it. There's nothing to be ashamed of. So things like that, right? Where I'm just trying to like express to her that I understand where you're coming from. This could have happened to me. Just trying to change the language so that she felt more comfortable to open up to me without feeling shameful, without feeling stupid. Because our minds are wired to protect themselves and going to the length of doing so through denial than they are to admit the wrongs that we've done. Around this exact same time, the celebrity started putting stuff on their Instagram that alluded to that he may not actually be in the UK and that he was in Los Angeles, which was perfect timing because then that also was right around the exact same time that she knew she couldn't really continue the lie because the lie had always been he was stuck in the UK because of his contract with Universal. (laughs) So the only way I was able to really convince her for me to take over the communication was she eventually got to a place of comfort where she realized that she didn't have to be ashamed and that I was going to help her and protect her and everything was going to be okay. Wow. And then she just eventually said to me, everything you told me was right. And now I'm in trouble. And I said, okay, we're going to figure it out. So I like had all of the details of the entire conversation that they had had with one another, as well as details of other people's conversation that she was communicating with, because there actually is an assistant. I don't know if I should name them. (laughs) Should I? It's up to you. Okay. I mean, I've looked up somebody by the name of Halima Mahdi, who is supposedly this person's assistant. If anyone is talking to somebody that is an assistant or anybody by the name of Halima Mahdi, because I now also know that they have multiple people that they impersonate, not just the celebrity. If that resonates with anyone, including the FBI, this person is a person of interest. And it's been also recorded with the IC3. In addition to that, The other piece that I think is very alarming about this is the amount of different people that she was instructed to send money to that reside in the U.S. is, to me, shocking. Because this all occurred on Instagram, that was also my point of reference for, like, historical information to understand, like, how long was this potential person following her? How long were they obtaining information about her? How did they contact her? And because, you know, I Google works wonders. You can figure out, like, how do you figure out when somebody started following somebody? Right around the exact same time that my family members started following and posting, like, quotes related to love was right around the exact same time that this person reached out to her. So what do I do? I dig into Instagram. I see that There's an Instagram account that uses the exact same terminology and emojis on the page that 
my family member is using in conversation and has never used previously. So like pay attention to that kind of stuff. If you notice that your family or whoever, they're starting to use terms they've never used before. Trust me, that's coming from somewhere or something, including emojis. So what do I do? I look at Instagram and I'm like, hmm, this quote account that my family member just started following is using the exact same terminology and emojis that my family member is using about a different topic. (laughs) That's bizarre. And this, you know, Instagram account is open to the public, has 100,000 followers. None of us would ever assume that these accounts are being run by scammers. And we should all think again. If you are looking for purpose in something because you are trying to fill a void of vulnerability or something, what do people often do? They reach out to articles. They reach out to quotes. So they're not stupid. They know that when people are searching for love, they look for inspiration of, I'm not alone. You know, they do that through finding quotes on Instagram for accounts that are focused on finding each other's soulmates. Well, no offense, but if I was a scammer, that's going to be the first place I look at a potential victim. Oh, man, they've been playing this game for a long time. They're patient. They play the long game. Don't think for a second that they haven't been in charge of these accounts for years. Every person, every profile, every everything. We are on the defense, and so, so should everybody else. And that's, I think, the mentality shift that has to occur. We have to try to program people to understand that, yes, we're in a life of technology and things are more free and it makes more sense nowadays to have a conversation and become romantically involved with somebody that you've never met. But at the end of the day, that's an icon on your phone. And if we don't start to normalize that icon on your phone while it could actually be a person, it's also a high probability it's not. And it's a scammer who is a person in another country that's trying to take your money. So what did the FBI do? Were they able to do anything for you? No, nothing. I have submitted everything to the IC3. But what I will also say is, I think this takes perseverance, which I'm also working towards and starting to make more ground in that way. But at the end of the day, the IC3 is a data dump. And that's what people need to understand that it is. If I were the FBI and I had a ton of this stuff to sift through, I'd be using the exact same approach. They're utilizing it as a way to obtain data to be able to link things together to create a case. So the more information that can be provided into the IC3, I will say to people, dig in and get information from your family members, either phones, accounts, or do whatever you need to do and enter it on behalf of your family member into the IC3. I know that the IC3 looks intimidating and it's like, oh my God, I'm putting my name on paper and I have to agree to this data. But if you've obtained information on a transactional level about your family member, you're doing more good by entering your name and entering it into the IC3 for that transactional information than not. Because That is a data repository that now the FBI is going to be able to use. The more information they have that is not a false positive, the better and the more likelihood they are to be able to catch these people. My conversation got way more in-depth after this, and we're going to do a future episode with her on how to avoid being scammed. I want to point out that I talk with a lot of experts on scamming, 
FBI, advocates, the whole nine yards. But as I said in the beginning of this episode, I was dizzy at the end of our talk. So plan on hearing more from her soon. In the meantime, you know where to find me. The email is scammerstoriespodcast at gmail.com. The Facebook page is Scammer Stories. Until next time, Scammer Warriors. <laughs>